Well, it's no secret that a lot of people the past couple of years have uh, maybe, for lack of better words, lost a bit of their gratitude, the things that have happened through COVID season, through loss of loved ones, through challenging situations. I talked to a businessman recently, and he, he looked me just directly in the eyes, and he said, my losses over COVID were $2.2 million. That's a big hit for a small business in a, in a Kentucky town. But how you know greater is he that is in us? So you may have lost a little bit of your gratitude and all the confusion, the political turmoil, the inflation, everything that's going on. But I want to just remind you, the Spirit of God through His Word and directly to your heart is telling you, you need to return to gratitude if you've lost it. And if you've kept it, you need to turn it up a notch because your gratitude is directly reflecting your spiritual condition today. Your gratitude directly shows us how well things are going on in your life spiritually or where there needs to be maybe a checkup in your life. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says this, the Bible says, If God gives us wealth and property, uh, prosperity and lets us enjoy them, we should be grateful and enjoy what we have worked for, for it is a gift from God. You know the work is a gift, but the things you receive are also gifts from God. In fact, everything you and I have is a gift from God. I was talking to Kelly about this, and when we built this building, just the, the HVAC, the heating, the cooling, the ventilation system alone, around $150,000 just for this building. Every single month, we pay about $25,000 just to provide you heating, cooling, and, and clean, fresh air. I want you to think about that. How many thankful for what God has done and given us? Amen. Could you imagine how much it must cost God in terms of providing that for the entire world? And how many times has some sinner just stopped and stopped? You know what? I thank God to have air to breathe today. You know, I can function today. We are living in a miracle every single day. I got nothing to be thankful for. That's because your eyes aren't open to reality. You have everything to be thankful for. You have everything to be gracious about. Uh, gratitude is not just an, a social nicety, but it is a window into our spiritual condition. Gratitude is the quality of character that feels and expresses thanks and gratitude or appreciation for benefits received. You might think about it this way, mercies received. Raise your hand if God's been merciful and good to you. Amen. Say, let me say it again. Has God been good and merciful to you? Yes. yes, He has. And so we're talking about acknowledging that and increasing in your expression of that. I know we all think gratitude, but it needs to be expressed. Amen. How many are thankful when God does something good for you? How many are thankful when somebody does something nice for you? It's great that you thought that thought, but it needs to be expressed because it's a reflection of who you are in God. Time and time again, we see Israel falling into the trap of ingratitude. You know, he can supernaturally deliver them from Egypt. He can supernaturally plunder the enemy. The Bible says that when they left Egypt, they were laden with gold and silver. How many you know that's a deliverance story there? To walk up to your Egyptian master and say, can I have your gold and silver? And instead of laughing, they say, sure, have it. <laughs> and not one, but everybody walked out heavy laden with gold and silver. And the Bible says that not one of them faltered. The shoes didn't wear out. Everybody say miracle upon miracle. If they needed heat, they got it. If they needed protection from the sun, they got it. If they needed water, God gave it. If they needed food, He rained down the meat or He rained down the bread of heaven. You know, every single time when you turn around, God's doing a miracle for them. And all they can do is grumble and complain and murmur. Here's the tip. God's not the problem. Amen. 
The problem is perspective on our part. We don't see all the things every single day He is doing for us. We focus like little children, only on the one thing we don't have. That's fine when you're two years old to be fixated on that lollipop or fixated on that toy. It's a real thrill to go shopping with my granddaughter. <laughs> because she just walks up to a toy and goes, I like that. <laughs> End of story. Amen. My wife does the same thing, incidentally. So <laughs> Everybody say, I like that. Praise the Lord. But, uh, you know, you can be fixated when you're that age, but when you grow up in the things of God and grow up you know, chronologically, you need to re recognize that uh, God has done so much more than we could ever thank Him for. Are you thankful today? Do you have gratitude today in your heart? Yes. Amen. Now, what I have seen in the, in the past several years is, you know, just because you have a Facebook account doesn't mean you should use it. I mean, there are people that, that seriously need deliverance. But now, today, you could pick up a phone and reach millions of people with your opinion, whether you happen to be right or not. And what people do today is if they don't like something, they, they tack on a descriptor to try to undermine the integrity of that concept or principle. For example, how do you know that, that God in His Word clearly expresses and explains and describes what a man of God should be, yes. what masculinity should be? Can I have a better amen? amen? So the world not liking that tacks on the word toxic masculinity. As if you fulfill masculinity in the eyes of God through the word of God, then you're somehow toxic or, or poisoned. No, all that means is you don't want to submit to doing things the way God wants them done. So throw you a little, little label in front of it so that we won't have to do it because we think somehow that you know, perjures that concept and we are not responsible to do it. We do the same thing with spirituality. You don't, want to, you don't want to submit your mind, your will, your emotions to the Word of God and let your spirit, amen, which is born again, let that be the driving force and influence in your life because you don't want to do that because you want to be mind ruled or emotion ruled or go your way. You put the label toxic spirituality in front of it as if it's a bad thing. No, let me tell you something. It's toxic not to be spiritual. It's toxic to run your life by your emotions. It's toxic to run your life by your will instead of yielding to Him. You see what's going on in this world? Very subtly picking away at the authority of our lives. Are you here today? Um, toxic spirituality. Toxic masculinity. And on it goes. And on one I heard the other day, I just couldn't believe it. My teeth almost fell out of my mouth. Toxic gratitude. You evangelicals tell everybody they should be grateful and thankful in everything. Well, it's not the church telling people to be grateful in all things. Listen to what the Word of God says if you forgot it from the screen earlier. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Not because God did something to you, but be thankful no matter what the circumstance. Now watch this. Do you know there are very few places in the entirety of the Word of God where it explicitly says, this is the will of God for you. But that's what it says. He says here, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The idea is that somehow when you're trying to tell people to be thankful in all things, they should be thankful for everything and you can manipulate them and somehow coerce them. No, it's just a simple principle. Get out of your overeducated head, amen. Some people are educated way beyond their level of intelligence. 
and just see it for what it is. Just like that video, we go through things, we're not thankful for those things, but we can be what? Thankful in those things and through those things. Not only can you be thankful in them, that level of gratitude will bring you out of those situations and into victory. Turn to somebody and tell them you have everything to be grateful for. Like cell phones, for example. I'm grateful for them. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Say it with me. I am grateful. Psalm uh, 95.2 says, Let us come before him with what? Thanksgiving. And extol him with music and song. It's not an order of some church or some evangelical. It's the order of the word of God itself. That you and I be grateful and be thankful. Raise your hand if you have something to be grateful again today about. Glory to God. I just caught a little clip of Yakov Shmirnov, And how many of y'all remember who he is? He was a Russian, came over to the United States and uh, became a very famous comedian. In fact, he still has a theater in, uh, in Branson, Missouri. No, yeah, that's right, in Branson. And uh, he was telling the story about one of his first Thanksgivings in America. It was his, his parents and he had immigrated and they were in a small tiny apartment in New York and they were watching the parade and they're going to have their dinner. And he said, I like parades, you know, here because they're not parades with missiles in them. He said, and I'll take, uh, I'll take Bullwinkle over a tank any day. <laughs> hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Ruffle <laughs> up my sleeve. <laughs> we'll leave that alone, amen. <laughs> he said, I would have, you know, I like having Bullwinkle instead of tanks. And he said, we all gathered around the table for Thanksgiving and we all held hands, just the three of them. And he said, my dad led, led in a prayer of thanksgiving. And he said, as he ended the prayer, he noticed nobody was dropping hands. Their hands got tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter as all three of them realized just how grateful they were to be in this country. Amen. His, his byline is, I love this country. No kidding, amen. amen. They have every reason to believe it. I have a colleague that I met in higher education. He also immigrated from Russia. And he said, the American people have no idea what they have, and they have no idea they're about to lose it if they don't wake up. It's one thing for us to say. It's another thing for people to come in and say, we know what socialism is. We lived under the boot of communism. Americans need to wake up. And listen to me, Christian, you don't need to shut up or shut down or back off. You need to get louder in this nation than you've ever gotten before about what you believe and who you are in Christ. Because there's more at stake here than just our convenience. Amen. Glory to God. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting right now. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, I know you can get loud. I heard you before. <laughs> you know, why are people lacking gratitude? What's going on? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us plainly it's a sign of the times. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. But understand this, that in last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and uh, aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contentious boasters. They'll be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Isn't it interesting that in these last days, gratitude is going to diminish and ungratefulness is going to rise up? It's a sign of the times. But it doesn't have to be a sign in your life. 
This is the way the other side lives. This is not the way we're supposed to live as children of God. Number two, people are lacking gratitude because it's a sign of being stale spiritually. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. These are ones from the NIV here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Shout it out. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude. Say it with me, with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Three times in two verses, what does Paul emphasize? Gratitude, giving of thanks. You say, what do we mean being stale spiritually? We have a lot of people that even though they're Christians, they've been out of God's presence and they need to get back into God's presence and be real worshipers and start praying and seeking God again. Because when you're not worshiping, when you're not praying, you're your worst version of yourself and you're not going to be thankful. You're not going to be grateful. You're going to see everything out there that's wrong. Can I help you out with something? When you see somebody criticizing other people or cutting on other people or put, tearing down ministries or ministries or churches, whatever it is, ask them how their prayer life is. Tell me about your devotional life. I promise you this. There is no one seeking God that also has a critical spirit. Not one. They may be seeking religion, they may be seeking legalism, but they're not seeking the Lord because seeking the Lord makes you tender towards other people, not belligerent towards other people. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, are you listening? They're stale because they're out of God's Word. We need to start really studying God's Word again, not just talking about it. Amen. Get into it like you never have before. Study it. Wear your Bible out in the coming year. Read it every day. Mark it up. Highlight it. Amen. Do word studies. Memorize the Word of God. Because when you're like that, you're going to manifest things like gratitude in your heart. Stale Christians are Christians who manifest a lack of gratitude in their hearts and lives. And we all know what it's like to get there and to be there, but we don't have to stay there, do we, church? Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them again, start praying again. Start reading the Word again. It's just a simple decision. A lot of people are stale because they've been out of the church of God. You need to really start being faithful again and involved again as God is enabling you to do so. When we're not together, you can't be your best version of yourself. A lot of people don't realize this, but just being in the house of God together, it impacts you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. It does something for you. Even when we were just little ignorant Lutherans growing up as kids, didn't know much about anything not even at the place of being confirmed yet, there was something about being in the house of God. You just felt better. Inexplicably, you felt better. And that's not because we were even paying attention. It's a sad thing, but I can't remember one sermon I heard as a kid. Not one. And it's not like they were long. I mean, these guys were, I mean, very adept at, at Putting everything together in 11 or 12 minutes. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, how come you don't have that spiritual gift? <laughs> Not Lutheran anymore. <laughs> Catholics are even shorter. Everybody say, God bless the Catholics. God bless the Lutherans. How come you preach so much to us? Because you need it. <laughs> we need the Word of God. 
You don't need a five second, five minute pep talk. Think about all the inputs you have all week long and to come to the house of God for an hour and a half is too much. That's why a lot of people are suffering because they don't prize the things of God like prayer, like reading the Word, like being in the house of God. You know, I, I, I think Keith Moore probably put it better than I've ever heard it put. He said, in the body of Christ we have people who are yielding to things they ought to be resisting and they're resisting things they ought to be yielding to. What do you mean to that? It means, for example, um, if you have a sniffle, that does not mean you should blow the house of God off. You got a sniffle on Sunday, but you'll be drawing a paycheck on Monday. I'm going to go over here where it's warm and friendly. <laughs> what do you do? Other cases where you're high, probably highly contagious, and there's wisdom in that. But there's a lot of staleness going on. It's not I'm, I'm sick really. I'm just kind of tired and I don't feel like doing that. You need to crucify that flesh and do what God tells you to do. Because the fact that you're just fine by Monday or Tuesday tells us you ain't all that sick on Sunday. Moving right along. What should you do? You should resist it. What are we doing accepting these things from the enemy? What are we doing thinking like natural people in this world? We should resist the effects of the curse not yield to them and lay down and say, well, that's the way it is. Just because you may have been, you know, raised poor and never had anything doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Poverty is under the curse. Don't accept that. Resist it in Jesus' name. Resist the devil and he'll what? He'll flee from you. Tim and I were having a conversation last week and I said, you know, for, for the longest time when I was at Westview Assembly of God in Hopkins, we were there for five years pastoring, and I had just started there maybe maybe three or four months. I noticed that every single month, every single Monday, Kelly can tell you this is true, I felt sick every single Monday. Do you know it took me a few weeks, a few months to figure out what was going on? And one day I woke up and I said to myself, Seth, why are you giving the devil one day every week and just accepting this? And I just kind of woke up one day, I put my foot down and said, you're not getting Monday anymore. You say, what happened? Do you know that hasn't happened to me since I put my foot down? And that's been almost 30 years ago. But what I was doing was, well, here's Monday. I guess we're going to have a bad day today. I'm going to have a headache, probably nauseous a little bit, be wore out. No, take your life back. Amen. Yield to the things of God and resist the things you should be resisting. That's who you are in God. We are not called to be spiritual pansies. And we need you to stand up and fight. Amen? Amen. What's going to happen is this staleness is going to go by the wayside and gratitude is going to rise up in you like never before. We need people out there in this world that walk around with a spring in their step and a, and a twinkle in their eye amen, and faith in their voice. Yes. This world needs to see people what gratitude looks like. Right. But don't go to Walmart looking for it. <laughs> Especially during Black Friday. Amen. I did real good. My family wanted me to go with them on Friday. Whatever Juliana wants. <laughs> it's always a party. 
And I, they're real good. Normally, the last place I'd ever want to go is anywhere near those crazy shoppers. I watched a few of them. I mean, eyes bugging out of their head, running around like their head was cut off. This craziness. But I want you to know, I just praised the Lord and prayed in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Stayed filled with gratitude. Amen. I'm grateful for my wife and son and beautiful daughter-in-law. I'm grateful for my, <laughs> you know, my wonderful granddaughter. Praise the Lord. Amen. And you've already announced this, haven't you? I'm very grateful for my new grandson that's on the way. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> he will not be a Cub fan or a Brave fan. <laughs> not going to happen. He will only know the birds <laughs> on the bat all the days of his life. Amen. I don't care if your parents try to turn him into a Braves fan. Amen. He's going to be a Cards fan. Hallelujah. Say gratitude. Amen. So you can't sit around and wait until you already have a, a sour attitude because you're spiritually stale. You need to monitor yourself and stay strong in the things of the Spirit and, and be deliberate about these things. At the end of the day, it is a decision. It's ultimately up to you and to me if we're going to manifest a spirit that is thankful or that is thankless. And how many of us a whole lot more fun to be around thankful people? Amen. Grumblers and complainers. I mean, I read through the Old Testament, I think about God and His relationship with Moses, uh, Moses with the Lord, and the people doing something stupid. Amen. And, and God's like, I'm just going to take them out. And Moses is like, what about your covenant? What will the nations say? Lord, you have to look upon mercy here for your own namesake. And God said, okay, I'll relent. And Moses has a bad day. Lord, take him out. <laughs> Moses, take a lap. <laughs> That's what he was saying when he spoke rashly, you know, when he hit that rock. But could you imagine if God and Moses had a bad day at the same time? God, I think you should take him out. Moses, I think you're right. Let's do it. Amen. <laughs> I'll start with you again, glory to God. Give me some more dust and dirt. We'll make two of you and a woman for you. We'll start all over again. Now, if Christians are anything, they ought to have been full of uh, gratitude. I mean, after all, you're born again. I know, but I lost a job. Well, God has 10 to replace it. I had a deficit last year. Well, God can give you sevenfold and, repl and replenish it. Yeah, well, I had this sickness. Well, he healed you. He healed you. Well, I lost somebody to death. Well, guess what? They went immediately into the presence of God and you'll see them again. Can you get in the picture here? As Christians, it's win, 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 win. There's no losing here. Come on, say, I'm a winner and I have every reason to be filled with gratitude. And you're about to see in your own life the Lord show up big time. You have a need in your life, give Him gratitude. And watch and see what he'll do. Well, I'll give him gratitude when I see the thing manifest. You're missing the point. You're like the dumb dun that talks to a, to, you know, to a fireplace and says, you know, give me some heat and I'll throw in some wood. It's going to be a cold night. Now give him some gratitude and you'll see some things manifest in your life. And then when it happens, give him what? 
Give him some more gratitude. Why are people ripping this nation apart with criticism and wokeism and calling everything under the sun racism? Why are they divided like they are? Because they can't see what they've got. Amen. I know missionaries that go overseas, come back, get off the plane. Sometimes the plane doesn't go up to a jetty. They'll just come down onto the tarmac and they'll see, they'll literally bow down on the ground and kiss the ground when they come back into this country. You've never been out of it. You don't know how precious this place really is. If you don't understand that the progress this nation has made is substantial and we've bypassed countries that are hundreds and hundreds of years older than us in terms of ethics and race relations and in terms of how we do things, you're living in a wonderful place and you ought to thank God every day that you're here. We shouldn't have to have Russians, expatriates, tell us how great our country is. You live here. You're benefactors of it. Does that mean we're perfect? No. But a lack of perfection does not mean worthless. A lack of perfection doesn't mean burn it down. Where does that come from? A lack of gratitude. Amen. Why are people lacking gratitude? Well, first, it's a sign of the time. Second, it's a sign of being stale spiritually. Turn to the mind and tell them, don't be stale. Nobody likes stale bread, moldy bread. It's a sign number three of the influence of hedonism in this nation. Our lack of gratitude is a result of the influence of hedonism. It's Subtle hidden belief that pleasure or happiness is the primary goal in life. The problem is the hedonist is never satisfied. They don't know what it means to put on the brakes. There's a King James word, lasciviousness, and all it means is this person can't put the brakes on the behavior on their lifestyle. They just can't seem to stop what they're doing. That's what it's like. The phrase, God just wants me to be happy in the church, is the embodiment of Christian hedonism. God's primary goal is not your happiness. Well, I'm going to find me a happy church. What you'll find is a hedonistic church. Amen. What you need is a church that will tell you to keep your pants on. To honor God's morality sexually. Amen. To be temperate in all things. To be honest. To walk in integrity. To do things according to His Word. Not God just wants me to be happy because the implication of that is it doesn't matter if I square with his word as long as I am happy. That's how the Greek hedonists think. Paul said to the Ephesians, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You'd be amazed how many lives, how many businesses, how many marriages are destroyed because Christians think the primary thing they're supposed to be is happy. Well, Pastor, am I supposed to be miserable? No, get right with God. You'll be filled with joy. Amen. Amen. It's not about that. But when your goal is happiness, you're going to make some decisions that contradict the Word of God and you're going to make things far worse in your life than they were before. You cannot contradict God's Word in the pursuit of happiness and think that's going to work for you. Sooner or later, the bottom's going to fall out. Yes. Amen. Yes. I've had people to my face tell me that, despite the Word of God. You know, I have a, you know, a lot of patience for people in the world or, or new baby Christians, you know, those who have not been under the Word. But people that have been sitting under the Word 15, 20, 25 years, the uncompromised Word of God, 
and sit there and tell me with a straight face that they can get rid of this situation, get rid of this relationship. They can abort that baby. They can, they can do these things because God wants them to be happy. That's hard to understand. It means things went in one ear and out the other. Amen. You hear people today talk about how their abortion was a blessing? Come on, say it with abortion. Ends, terminates a life. It is not a blessing. Well, I got to continue my career. Well, I got to have the relationship that I wanted. It was a, it was a blessing. You know what? God can bless your life without you violating his word. You would be amazed how many Christians are making these kinds of choices in the name of their happiness. But it's a big lie. Because happiness is tied to circumstances and that environment instead of to go with a, a Christian perspective where joy is the rule. Amen. And that's based on your relationship with God. Now what do we do? We love everybody whether they make bad choices or not. Amen. We stand by people whether they had an abortion or not. Amen. Why? Because serious deception, watch this, serious deception is at play when a human being would terminate their own child's life. Serious deception. They didn't get into that by themselves. Those voices out there and those influences out there have a responsibility in this as well, as well as the medical professionals who are doing these things. It's very important to understand that it takes more than just that one person to get this done. That's why right now you should be rejoicing that life has a chance in Kentucky. I said you should be thanking God that life has a chance in Kentucky. Glory to God. Amen. And heaven will be filled. Amen. With the souls that were terminated. Because you can't kill the human spirit. What an interesting time that's going to be. So my word to you is if you've had one, you need to make sure you turn your life over to him and come out of condemnation and reprogram your thinking. The fact that that child is still alive very much. They just didn't live out their days on this earth. Amen. And what a day it's going to be. Amen. Glory to God. Everyone, they talk about how she had four or five until she, her eyes were opened up to this thing. So what's going to happen to her? I tell you, when she enters those pearly gates, the first five people are going to run up to her. Amen. There's a lot of things to be settled that won't be settled here, but they will be settled one day. And what do we do with it? until then? We stay in gratitude. Amen. We stay in an attitude of thanksgiving. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. You've been in a situation as a, as a child of God where you've been, you've been hurt and the loss of a child, either, either to death or to miscarriage or, or an adoption that blew up in your face. We got a call one day from an attorney in Louisville and the pastor up there and said, you know what, there's this, there's this little girl here that uh, they wanted to, this lady wants to give this little girl away when she has that baby. And so we drive up to Louisville. We're there all day long waiting for her to show up in the pastor's office, never comes. We decide to stay with a friend of ours up there through the evening and eat with them. Never comes, never shows up. Eventually, she never did come for that meeting. Folks, these things are hard to deal with and hard to bear. Amen. So a few months later, Lori called back and said, well, I, you know, I think she's willing to come in now. I said, no, thank you. We've been down that road already. 
These things are hard. What do you do when that happens? I have relatives right now that have gone through this repeatedly. You know, whether it's childlessness or whether it is miscarriage or whether it is failed adoption, whatever it is, your God is still on the throne. And He loves you very much. And He has a plan and purpose for your life. Break out in gratitude. Amen. Thank Him for the things that are around you right now and watch and see what He can do in your life. He's not done with you. I said He's not done with you. Glory to God. God is well able to move in your life. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I believe the Lord is saying to our church that 2023 is going to be the year of transformation. You're going to see things transform in your life. Can you receive that today? I said, can you receive that today? He is not done. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. What? Of you. Do you believe that today? If you delight yourself in the Lord, do you believe he'll give you the desires of your heart? Yes, part of that delighting is gratitude. Thanking Him. Come on, do it right now. Thank Him. Give Him gratitude. Bless His name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know that scripture, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you desires of your heart. It's true because that's how Kelly caught me. She went around quoting that scripture, quoting that scripture, telling people, confessing that. I mean, we were confessing and receiving before we even understood what that was. I was just running. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And it, it worked. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes, amen. Working on 35 years. Mm -hmm. We're still working on it. We're not done yet with it. <laughs> the moral of that story is if Kelly's chasing you, just give up. Just, <laughs> just give up Amen. <laughs> That's actually true. She did that, but it works in life. Yes. Say, well, everything's wrong. How can I delight in the Lord? Because you're delighting in the Lord, not in your circumstances, not in what went wrong, not in what fell apart. You are delighting in the Lord. Glory to God. You have air to breathe. Amen. You had a means to get it. You have somewhere to live. A lot of people these days don't. <coughs> Your mind wasn't scrambled by what happened in Vietnam or some other military campaign. A young man the other day was on the phone with a suicide hotline. The police finally pulled him over because he was acting erratically and he was on the line about to take his life. Thank God an officer of the law was there to talk him down and get him help. Because of the situation, he was able to admit him. These people are hurting out there. Many things that you and I have no idea. Well, they weren't shot. They didn't lose a leg or an arm. Well, many of them did. But listen, something snapped on the inside of them. And you're sitting here in your right mind. And they did that for your protection and for your interest. You got to thank God every day they're out there on the wall protecting you and me. Whether it is our local wall or the one that protects us overseas, whatever the case may be. Amen. Glory to God. Look at somebody tell them, you're more fun when you're full of gratitude. <laughs> Let me just uh, explain to you the, the sheer power and force of gratitude. Glory to God. This is from Luke 17. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. 
And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except the foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I just want to share you know, a couple of principles with you here. Gratitude demonstrates honor for God. Do you realize that? When you say, thank you, God. When you say, praise you, Father. Lord, thank you for doing this. You're honoring him. And how many know the Bible says that he will honor those that give him honor? Watch this. Being a believer, though, is no guarantee of being grateful. Here's the kicker. Nine of those men were Jews. Not one of them came back. It would be as if Jesus said, you know what? You know, there are ten men that were healed. Where are the nine Christians? Is this, is this guy who just came out of the bar? Is he the only one coming back to give me thanks? Christians ought to stop all along the way and be aware of what God is doing in real time. They didn't get healed because they walked. They didn't get healed because they were headed towards. That was in the command. The miracle's in the command. They got healed because they did what the master told them to do. And all of their response should have been what? Honor. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get to the priest just like you said, but you know what? We were on our deathbed. We were given a social, financial, physical death sentence and you healed us. Look at the contrast. Come on, say it with me. Look at the contrast. Nine who kept walking and one who comes back with a loud voice throwing himself at Jesus' feet and he could not stop thanking him. I mean, it's a good thing to not stop thanking him. Just keep on doing it. Gratitude demonstrates honor. Number two, gratitude demonstrates appreciation. Our soundness in life with the Lord is progressive. Gratitude will keep it flowing in your life. The more grateful you are, the more you appreciate what he's done, the more you can receive. But many people are blind to God's goodness every single day. The more appreciation you have, the more manifestation of his goodness you can see. They all got physically healed, but what happened to this other man? The Bible says he got whole. Listen carefully. Gratitude demonstrates appreciation. Now, how many of you right now can think of times that you were absolutely without any natural means and God brought you through? Raise your hand if God has ever come through in a miraculous way for your life. You know it's true. You should never stop thanking Him for that. First of all, it drives the devil nuts. There they go again thanking that God of theirs. But when you do that, it sets you up for the next thing that He's getting ready to do in your life. It positions you. Watch this. It shows a, a demonstration of appreciation and it will increase the manifestation in your life. Anybody here like the manifested power and presence and goodness of God? Say it with me. I like it. Come on, say it with a smile on your face. I like the goodness of God. But how is that happening? How does it increase? How does it continue in your life? By being full of gratitude. One of you, the first signs of defeat in a Christian's life is when they lose their sense of gratitude in life. It's one of the primary ways you can tell something's not right. When all you hear about is horrible this and horrible that and critical this and critical that. No, what should be coming out of our mouths are, are praises and thanksgiving to God for what He has done. And when somebody shares something with us that, that God has done for them, we should join them. 
You should not be saying, well, you don't deserve that. I was in line before you. You should rejoice with them. But you'd be amazed at how many Christians don't rejoice with their brothers and sisters. You should rejoice when somebody finally gets into that house and pays that thing off debt free. Amen. You should be rejoicing when God gives them that car. You should rejoice when God gives them that job. You should rejoice when their family expands. Amen. Well, bless God, I don't have that, so why should I rejoice for them? You're missing the point. By appreciating what God is doing in anybody else's life, he's able to do those same things in your life. Say it with me, it demonstrates honor. It demonstrates appreciation. And number three, it demonstrates faith. Listen to this very carefully. Nine got healed physically, which means the leprosy ceased to function anymore in their bodies. But this man, we can say scripturally, just didn't have the leprosy end. He had the restoration of any bodily function or part destroyed by the leprosy. The scripture literally tells us in, in, a, in a very accurate translation, he just didn't get healed. He got saved that day. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, this man is whole because he recognized and thanked God for the partial restoration he received. In other words, your, your gratitude, your thanksgiving is a demonstration of your faith. It shows you're expecting God to do more. How many out there is expecting God to do more? Can you do more? Can you do more? Can you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine according to his power that already works in us? Yes, he can. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because when I've given him a petition, when I've given a supplication, and I thank him that tells him I'm expecting God you to do this. I believe you'll do this in my life. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The more faith we demonstrate in our thanksgiving, the more we please God and the more God's salvation can manifest in our life. You may be sitting here today and you need some dimension of his soundness in your life. The way you set yourself up for that is with thanksgiving, with gratitude in your heart. Look at somebody and tell them, be thankful and watch the manifestation. Come on, say it again. Be thankful and watch the manifestation. So how can you be a grateful person? Just write these down very simply today. Number one, decide to be grateful. As simple as that. In a world of ingrates, choose to stand out as a grateful person. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody been in a restaurant and got horrible, horrible service? But you still got food that day. Do you know that some parts of the world you don't get service and you don't get food? Amen. Yes, amen. And this, it's frustrating to see people act goofy and stupid and weird and don't do things with excellence. And right now in America, we have a service crisis. That's when somebody provides good service, they stand out like a sore thumb. In this nation, it used to be everybody had good customer service. That was the standard. Amen. But hallelujah. Say it with me. I'm deciding to be grateful in a world of ingrates. Look at somebody and smile and say, I am not an ingrate. 
Now tell them, don't you be an ingrate. Number two, dedicate your heart to being grateful, which means consecrate your heart, set it apart. Not just I'm going to decide and then tomorrow forget what I've done. No, I am consecrating myself into a lifestyle of gratitude. And you know where it's going to manifest. It's going to manifest in your thoughts. It's going to manifest where? In your words. You know, Israel, after God provided for them time and time again, the Bible says in Psalm 78 that they vexed the Holy One of Israel. Look at somebody and say, you don't want to vex God. Bad. <laughs> it literally means they limited him. You know how they limited him? They limited him with small thinking, amen, negative talking, and not remembering his powerful hand in their life. Say it with me, small thinking, negative talking, and not remembering his powerful hand. Has he not moved in the past? Yes, we shouldn't forget what he's done because if he's done it before, he's able to do it again. Dedicate your heart to being grateful. And number three, discipline yourself to be grateful. That means day in and day out, hold yourself accountable. Monitor your heart, your thoughts, your mouth. Amen. And do what? Self-correct. There's an idea. How many of you like to beat the Holy Ghost to your correction? There's a great place to say amen. You're so fast at correcting yourself, the Holy Ghost doesn't have time to convict you. Let alone get nailed in the sermon. I could tell you as a pastor, probably 50, 60, 75 times, someone's come up to me after a message and they say, boy, I am sure glad that God convicted me on Monday. Amen. Because I was ahead of the curve on this sermon. Praise the Lord. It's like, hey, praise the Lord. Isn't that great? That means you're hearing from God. Or one of us is. <laughs> See, I am going to correct so fast. I'm going to beat the Holy Ghost to it. Could you imagine what your life would be like? The moment that ungrateful thing flies out of your mouth and you stop her and say, no, I bind that in Jesus' name. Instead, I'm going to stop and I'm going to thank God for all these other things. I'm going to be a grateful person the rest of my life. I'm going to acknowledge what he has done in my life and what he's going to do. And you know what will happen? More and more soundness will just keep stacking up in your life as you do. You make a decision, you make a dedication, but then you give yourself over to discipline where you self-correct when these things are not right in your life. And amen, you can tell. How many can tell when a lack of gratitude is trying to bubble up in your heart? Amen. Let me help you out here. How many want to be the most on fire, amen, most, you know, you know diligent and, and more in terms of your closeness with God? How many want to be the best Christian you've ever been in your entire life? Living with fidelity to him and to his word. Catch this principle. Be the person who is quick to correct themselves. You don't have the right to go around correcting everybody else. That is not your call. And the people thrown toxic in front of masculinity and toxic in front of gratitude. That's exactly what they're doing. There is no office in the body of Christ for correction. There are offices in the body of Christ that at times will have to correct through the word of God. But God hasn't called all these self-appointed modern day prophets to go around correcting everybody. What does the modern New Testament prophet do? They equip the saints for works of ministry. 
They should instruct, they should encourage, they should exhort. But they do not condemn. Amen. What does that mean? It means, my brothers and sisters, that you and I have too many issues of our own to be concerned about everybody else's issues. And when you get to be perfect, let me know. But let me give you a tip. When you wake up one day and you're perfect, you'll be in heaven, not here. In the meantime, self-correct. There's lots of fodder there. Since you enjoy correcting so much. Amen. Say it with me. It is a decision, a dedication, and a discipline. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you just to confess the scripture with me as we close down today. Glory to God. You can just kind of close your eyes. Just lift a hand to the Lord and just worship Him. And I want you just to say this boldly, straight from the Word of God. Shout for joy, Shout for joy. To, the Lord, to the Lord, all the earth. All the earth. Worship the Lord worship with gladness. gladness. Come before Him before with joyful songs. songs. Know that the Lord is God. Lord. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now come on, give him thanks today. Do that.